Amen. If you want to grab your Bibles, this would be a great time. Uh, we will have text on the screen for you from time to time. Um, but moms, let me say th- uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for all that you do. Uh, I know that it often can feel like a, a thankless, persistent, 24-7 kind of job that you signed up for. And uh, I hope that you'll genuinely experience the joy of Jesus, uh, the joy of, of family. I'm sorry we can't take you out for lunch, <laughs> can't take you out for dinner. Um, it, it may be that the gifts are a little sparser this season, um, it just hasn't been as much available. Uh, then again, maybe you're experiencing what you most want. You know, the family maybe can be gathered around you. Um, and, and I hope that's the case and you're able to enjoy that or find ways to connect. Let me just find some creative ways to spend the day, whether it's walking together or, or visiting to, over a cup of coffee or over the meal, um, a chance to talk a little more intimately. Uh, maybe it's singing together. Uh, I think one of the things happening in this uh, COVID environment is there is a, uh, an invitation that we in our homes would, would own our worship and song. And, um, and maybe this is not something that you can do together uh, in, um, in this time together. Maybe, I don't know if it's going to clear up this afternoon. Maybe there's time for a fire pit this afternoon or this evening or tomorrow. Bless you in whatever this is looking like. For some of you, I know that maybe the blessing is the preparation of your yard. You know, it's, it's lawns beginning to come alive. It's, it's perhaps flower beds beginning to look. Anne and I spent some time last weekend uh, trying to give our, um, our flower beds some loving kindness, some tender care. And um, it always, now, and I should clarify, I am not the gardener. Uh, I'm just the grunt on the end of the shovel. Um, she's the green thumb. And, uh, uh, but it always, the process of gardening, I find fascinating. Um, how something can go from looking oh my goodness, right? Like, is there any hope for this? Like, it can look so bad, so messed up at, at, at one point, um, and yet are these not that which brings us expectation that something better is coming? Um, we, we have a little evergreen in our front flower bed that has been growing for the last uh, eight or nine years and, and kind of begun to get a little sprawly, a little spready, and we haven't done this before, but so last Saturday, uh, I took the, the, the uh, pruning shears to it and we began to, to, to trim it. It needed to be so branches from underneath and so on. Um, and you kind of stood back at the end of the work and it's like, uh, I, did I take too much off? Like, oh my goodness, like I think I may have um, uh, overdone it. Um, you, you look at some of the, you know, having removed stuff and taken stuff away, and, and you know, for me at least, it, it's looking kind of sparse. Um, and, and whatever the flower bed is, is looking like right now, um, we have to remember, right? And those of you who are gardeners, you know this, it, that it's the promise of what will be that kind of keeps us going, that keeps us hoping, keeps us looking, you know. So, so it's that experience of looking for the first lilies who are going to sort of poke their little heads up, hello, through the, the soil. Um, and it's a, it's a promise of something more to come. It's the signs of life. Um, we look at the, the evergreens and maybe look for those, those beautiful little green shoots on the end of the evergreen. And it's this promise that it's alive, it's growing, um, you know, it's maybe examining the lilac bush, wondering whether it has survived the harshness of the winter. 
Um, will we have those beautiful purple flowers again? And, and when we see the signs of life, the little bud of green, we take enormous encouragement. And that's my exhortation to you this morning. What's true in the physical realm in the spring is true in the spiritual realm. And, and, and this is part of what we're looking to here this morning. This gardening idea, uh, the, tending a grapevine is, is, is literally what Jesus spoke of. This is one of the pictures that Jesus offers to us in order to help us understand what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Uh, what does it mean for us to be part of the us? We've been talking about that over the last couple of Sundays. What does it mean for us to be uh, welcomed into um, the, the number, welcomed into the church family? I'm referring to the Apostle Peter's sermon, Acts chapter 2, that we looked at on Easter Sunday and have been kind of referencing back to. Jesus' friend John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, recounts the words of Jesus for us. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 1, reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, uh, reads as follows. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And we looked at this passage a couple of Sundays ago, and in particular we focused on this, this amazing intimate relationship that Jesus was describing, the utter connectedness of this picture. The vine is Jesus, and we are the branches in the vine, and fruitfulness flows up from the vine, from the soil through the vine, and the branches resulting in fruitfulness. It's a picture of utter connectivity. Our life is dependent upon the nutrients that are going to come to us through the vine. And Jesus' words to us are, are remain, abide in this relationship. In fact, our life depends on it. It's either remain or die. And then in the next verse, in, in verse 5, Jesus goes on and he says, I am the true, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But in me, you will bear fruit. There's kind of three questions that come to mind that we've really not gotten to. And, and the first one that is, what is the fruit that Jesus was describing here? What is the fruit or the fruitfulness? The second question is this. How does this fruit come to be? What is the process? What is it that grows and results in fruit? And then the third question, what is the purpose of this fruit that Jesus intends his followers to bear? That's where we're going to go this morning. That's the outline in the sermon notes. I'd encourage you to download them from our website, okalliance.ca. Um, and, and follow along. On the back of your sermon notes are some questions designed to help you come back to this text over the next few days in order that you would continue to grow, in order that the fruitfulness that we're going to learn about today would be encouraged, would be reminded to you, and that 
you would continue to grow. So just my encouragement to you, okalliance.ca, our church website, and download it. Here's where we're going this morning. What is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? How does this fruit grow? And, and what is its purpose? So what about this fruit? Jesus is describing it. He uses this, uh, this picturesque language of uh, him as the vine, we as the branches, fruit resulting. This, this is vineyard language, right? And, and so I mean, the obvious answer to what is the fruit is the fruit are grapes. Um, but that doesn't necessarily translate for us. And if we, if we take a note from Bible 101, those of, uh, Bible 101 would say this. Don't press a metaphor or don't press a, a parable of Jesus beyond what Jesus intended to communicate. Uh, there's kind of a fundamental message that he has, so be careful with anything that gets extraneous from that. So in this case, that's what we've been attending to. We've been noting that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, fruitfulness will come from our lives as long as we abide, as long as we remain in Christ. There's a partnering to that remaining. We remain, he brings fruit through us. There's a co-participation in this. But we still ask, but what is the fruit? And, and, and to give an answer to that, we, we can look at the broader teaching of Jesus. Jesus used a lot of different metaphors to help us understand what this life in Christ was to look like, what it means for us to be a follower of Jesus. Um, earlier in John's Gospel, um, and very common in Matthew's gospel, we hear on the lips of Jesus this language about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And what's it like to be part of the body of Christ, to be, part, to be in Christ, to be a follower of Jesus? Well, it's joining the kingdom work of God as God is the perfect king, uh, loving, compassionate, merciful, longing that the subjects of this world would come and become citizens of the kingdom of God, and the fruit that would come from that would be kingdom fruit. We participate in the work that God is doing. We participate in that work. We, we share the hope that we have in Jesus. Sometimes we call that evangelism. Uh, we invite those to trust Jesus, who trust Jesus, to, to grow and become like Jesus. We, we, we talk about that and we, as, as discipleship, becoming a, an effective disciple, an effective follower of Jesus. It's this hand-in-glove relationship of, of evangelism and, and discipleship, hand-in-glove, collaborating together. Uh, let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me help you become like Jesus. And so we'll call this the fruit, uh, the kingdom fruit. Okay, uh, result of being involved in the kingdom. Um, we're serving God's purposes in our world. But there's another kind of fruit that's described in the pages of Scripture that relates to the words that Jesus uh, is referencing here. The Apostle Paul, in particular, um, uh, uses this fruit language to describe what we'll, what we'll call it character fruit. Uh, Tim referenced the passage earlier. We find it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Here's what Paul wrote to the church in the, province of, the Roman province of Galatia. He wrote this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, Paul seems to be picking up this train of thought that Jesus began back in John chapter 15, and he's describing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus, in uh, his farewell address, 
spoke about him, the, the Father giving the Holy Spirit to the Son who would pour the Spirit out on us. They would come and take up residence in us. And Jesus talks about the fruit that comes through the, through the vine, through the branches, and, and uh, becomes evident in our lives. There's, there's this kingdom fruit which Jesus spoke about. And Paul's describing here, he's describing character fruit. Uh, we might describe it as a list of virtues. Um, a virtue is a word which describes a, a transformation of moral behaviors, moral standards. The word virtue uh, comes from the, the root word virile. virile. It, 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 it's the idea of potency. It's the idea of effectiveness. So what's the evidence that the branch is attached to the vine and that the life of the vine is coming up through the branch? Well, there will be kingdom fruit that will begin to mature and there will be, there will be character fruit that will mature because the potency, the virileness of the life that is coming through the vine is going to result in love. Increasingly, we'll see joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is, this is what we're longing for, right? And it's not even a complete list of virtues. There are several places in the pages of Scripture. Paul, in particular, likes to write about these things. His letter to the church in Corinth the second letter that we have, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, Paul writes the following. He says, We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. So, so he says, we prove ourselves. In other words, the evidence that the branch is connected to the vine, showing in this fruitfulness, uh, is going to show up. And he uses uh, expanded, some, some words are the same, some words are different. We're, we're kind of getting, accumulating this list of, of virtues that are being described. In his letter that he wrote to the, the city of Colossae, the church in the city of Colossae, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, make allowance for each other's faults. And then we're going to come back to that idea in a few minutes. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. That word love shows up, I think, in every one of, of Paul's uh, virtue lists. Um, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. This is quite the list that begins to accumulate. Uh, let me give you one more. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fa faults because of your love. And there's lots of crossover here, but man, you put, start putting those words together in a list, and I don't know about you, but it, it can begin to seem overwhelming. Like how, how is it that I can persistently, consistently live out these things? Like I, I almost want to put, throw my hands up in the air and say, what's the point? Especially when I've gone through a difficult season or had a difficult day or I hit one of those crappy hours that resulted in, in okay, something other than this. So, so, so my own confession I've been a follower of Jesus for decades. I've been in Christ for decades. And I guess I'd have to say it this way. The full harvest of fruit is incomplete. 
full harvest of fruit is incomplete in my life. Uh, The evidence of the work of God in my life is only partial. Uh, His work in me is yet to be completed. Reminds me of a song that I learned when I was a child um, in in Kid Zone. We called it Sunday School back in those days. Maybe you're familiar with this. Uh, But I take encouragement for this song because I think it's a truth we need to hear in this moment. So the song went like this. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. I think encouragement from the the truth that that was put together in that lovely lyric. Uh, I, I need to see, even in the process of the vine that Jesus was describing, that that what is to be may not be clear yet, but there is promise for good things that are yet to come. Uh, What to be may not be clear yet, but there's promise for good things, for good things that are yet to come. Uh, It's the picture of the garden in springtime, hoping that there's little green shoots coming up, Oh, are those crocuses coming up through the snow? Ha! There is life there. There's something good coming. There is a fruitfulness present. He's still working on me. He's patient and kind. So anyway, that's an introduction at least to the fruit, the kingdom fruit, the character fruit that Jesus wants to grow in us. But we say, well, but how does this process take place? How does this growth come? And we look back to the words of Jesus. We read them earlier, chapter 15, verse 4, and Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That, that word abide is a powerful word. I, I think one of the reasons that I, I, I read it, I hear it, and I think it's so powerful is because it, it seems so passive, right? It's like all I have to do is abide, right? If, if, sit, spot, sit. Okay, I can do that. I can, I can sit. <laughs> um, now, don't get me wrong. The, the word actually, in, in the original Greek, it's a verb. It's a verb, and it is a, in the active voice, and it is an imperative so, so there's command to it. It's an action word with command attached to it. Remain. Sit. Spot. Stay. And I think that's where I find the most difficulty. It's in the staying. I can sit for a moment, for two, but, but it's the remaining that is the, the great challenge for most of us. Jesus says that obedience to this command will result in fruitfulness. And that introduces us then to kind of another layer to the words of Jesus here. He says in verse 7, chapter 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Okay, so there's a participation going on here. There's an interdependency that is there. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You see, if there's this inter 
living in one another, he in me, his words in me, I in him, uh, there's going to be, I, I'm going to increasingly have the mind of Christ, I'm going to understand him, so whatever I'm asking for is what he's going to be asking for, and, and it will be done. And in this process, the fruit that comes through this process, it, is, it brings glory to the Father. God is pleased by it, and others are pointed to him because of it. That's the process. And that's the difficulty, right? The frustration that we have remaining. It seems like, I don't know, it seems like we're branches with feet, <laughs> right? I mean, maybe sometimes you've experienced it. It seems like, you know, it, it seems like a beach ball trying to, to submerge it under the water and keep it there. Boop, just almost seems impossible to be done. Now, but, but before we get too hard on, on ourselves, uh, maybe it's worth noting, again, from the agricultural metaphor that Jesus has used, that there are, are seasons. And, and there's a couple of different kinds of seasons that affect our fruitfulness. There, there's the season of spiritual maturity. Um, when our family was still, was still up in Edmonton, we planted a cherry tree quite a number of years ago in our backyard. And um, we were looking forward to the harvest. And one of the things that we that we were told was that um, for the first couple of years, it's best to take the fruit buds off the tree so that it's not putting its, it, this young tree is not putting its energy into trying to grow the fruit. Rather, this young tree is putting its energy into growing its roots, that its roots would go down into the soil and it would become well established in those first couple of years. And then year three or so, you can begin to let the fruit come. So we did that. Uh, we did that. And then it was exciting, man. The, the first time that we allowed charities, cherries to mature on the tree, we only allowed a few of them. We didn't want to overstrain the tree, uh, but, but we took them off and we brought them into the house and we divided them among the family. These were the first fruits. It was exciting because what will be was not completely certain. I mean, there was greenery there. It was looking like it was doing all right. But that first fruit became the hope of what would come. It was the encouragement that we're on the right track. There's something coming that is worth waiting for. Young, young vines putting roots down. I'm told that old vines... Um, begin to slow in their production of grapes, not quite as, as voluminous as they once were, uh, but there are certain varieties that are maintained because though they're not creating as much, the, 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 the taste, the flavors are rich and desirous uh, and, and become highly valuable in and of themselves. And I think of the vines among us, the branches among us who are senior branches. <laughs> Some of you are senior branches. You, um, you're not moving quite as quickly as you once did. You're, you're maybe not feeling like you are as productive as you once, uh, as you once were. And yet there is a richness uh, to, to who you are uh, and who you are to us, among us as the body of Christ. There's a, a richness, there's wisdom there that you have to bring, uh, that you have experiences to bring to us. And we, we welcome that. We need that as the body of Christ. And so we're recognizing that the, the season of life that we're in, the season of maturity, can vary uh, how, much, uh, how much fruit we actually see. 
Uh, but in both cases, there's life there. The other, the other kind of season is the annual cycle, right? The annual season. Uh, there, there's a time of the year when you, when you plow, when you work the soil. There's a time of the year when you plant, when you nurture the seed. There's a time of the year when we expect harvest to come. And there's a time of the year when there's rest and there's refreshment and it begins to be the cycle all over again. It may even seem that during some of those periods of time, it looks like there's not much going on. It, it may seem like it's rather dark, you know, you know that, 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 that suddenly, you know, I've almost disappeared in the background, and then let there be light, uh, there, there is springtime that arrives. Now, this is one of the difficulties that we have, I think, being patient in this, because it's in that annual cycle that the gardener does his pruning. When he begins to trim away the extra branches that are not going to be fruitful so that the, 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 the sap can run out from the vine through the branch to the, the primary places where fruitfulness would be expected. We hear that idea of pruning, and, and I think for years I've, I got a little nervous about that. I thought, oh, man, that sounds painful. I really don't want to be pruned. Um, I think often people have looked at that language and they've said, Jesus here is talking about the difficulties of life, how they're going to mature us and grow us. And that may be true. Certainly it is true that he will grow us through challenge and through difficulty, through trial. Um, uh, and, and sometimes that'll even happen as part of the annual seasons, the annual cycle. But, but Jesus says specifically here that God the Father uses the word to prune us. That's what he said in, in verse 3, chapter 15. He says, already you are clean. Uh, the word means pruned in this context. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The word of Jesus cleans, cleans us, cleanses us. It prunes the branch. Pastor Andrew Murray, uh, South African man, uh, born in South Africa, uh, of great influence, uh, pastoral, late 1800s, uh, Andrew Murray writes this. He says, There are two remarkable things about the vine. There is not a plant of which spirit can be so abundantly distilled as the vine. So he's talking about its virility, its potency, its growing. Uh, there's not a plant of which spirit can be so abundantly distilled as the vine. And there is not a plant that so soon runs into wild wood that hinders its fruit and therefore needs the most merciless pruning. He writes, I look out my window on large vineyards. The chief care of the vine dresser is the pruning. You may have a trellis vine rooting so deep in good soil that it needs neither digging nor manuring nor watering, but pruning it cannot, but, but pruning it cannot dispense with. It, it is if it is to bear good fruit. Let me say that again because I didn't read that well. But pruning cannot be dispensed with if it is to bear good fruit. He writes, some trees need occasional pruning. Others bear perfect fruit without any. The vine, however, must have pruning. And so we, we, we think back to the metaphor, the picture of, of the garden, the flower bed that's maybe not looking so good right now. But what I really want to see are those little green shoots sticking up. 
That, that little bit of evidence that there is life there, and it's the hope that something better is coming. More fruitfulness is on the way as, as, as the iris peeks up through and says, is it, is it okay to come out yet? And, and we say, yeah, the sun is shining, there is rain, the, the environment is right, the season is right. Come, grow, be fruitful. This, this is how the fruit grows. But what does the fruit do? Um, certainly, we, we described kingdom fruit, and, and so we can, we can understand from the words of Jesus uh, that as the reign and rule of, of, of Jesus, as the reign and rule of Father God comes to people's lives increasingly, uh, we see that as fruitfulness. We, we see that, uh, and there's an other-focused uh, nature to kingdom fruit. It's about others, right? Um, and, and certainly even in, in character fruit, uh, as it begins to grow, it actually encourages me to grow more. Um, if, if in moments I, I can experience being loving, uh, I want more of that. It, it, the fruit encourages more fruit. Um, if I find ways to be kind... Uh, it brings encouragement to me, and I want to be more kind. The fruitfulness that comes inspires greater fruitfulness in us. And here we are on Mother's Day weekend. Who hasn't been uh, encouraged to emulate the work of a great mother? Uh, Maybe she was your mom, or maybe she was somebody else's mom, and you looked on and you said, I want to be like her. I need to grow. I, I I see character fruit in her life. Maybe I see kingdom fruit in her life, and it inspires me uh, for more of the same. Moms and dads, this is part of our role as parents. Um, we're role models, and our example is going to be emulated, whatever that example is, for better, for worse, Part of the urgency that we feel to be growing kingdom fruit and character fruit is, is that those who are coming along behind them, whether we're our own children or somebody else's children, they're looking to us. And, and what they see is going to be replicated, it's going to be emulated. And, and so I, I want more of that. In fact, I come back to the context of the Apostle Paul's letter to the church of the province of Galatia. So he's writing to these churches that are on the north shore of the sea of, of the Mediterranean Sea. And he uh, is writing to a, a group of churches that were actually in the midst of great conflict. They were, they were highly distressed. And, and the primary issue that was causing them distress, causing them conflict, causing them dif- difficulty between one another was this. Does someone need to become Jewish in order to follow the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Does someone need to become Jewish in order to follow the, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus? Now, this was especially an issue in Jerusalem. Uh, it seems that uh, they, some teachers had come up from Jerusalem to the churches in Galilee, uh, uh, sorry, in, um, in Galatia, um, and they were saying, look, you need to be more Jewish. Um, the, the men need to be circumcised. Uh, you need to follow the Jewish kosher laws uh, for food laws. You need to be observing the Jewish festivals. If you're going to follow the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, you need to become more Jewish. And there were others like Paul and, and, and the apostles who increasingly recognized, actually, that's not what Jesus taught. 
Jesus actually came in fulfillment of the Old Testament law, not an extension of the Old Testament law. Uh, The Old Testament law, the Old Testament anticipated that God would send the Messiah, the rescuer. uh, He came in the person of Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled all of the law's requirements. The law was a a caretaker until the Messiah came. The law pointed people how to be in right relationship with God, but it could only anticipate that work that Jesus would do. Jesus has now come. The law is complete. It's fulfilled. Paul said, Jesus said, it has value. It's a tutor, it continues to instruct us, but it, it, it is unable to save us. Only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus can restore us in right relationship to the Father. And the, the message of Galatians is that right relationship with God comes through Jesus only, not Jesus plus. Jesus only, not Jesus plus. And we come towards the ends of this, toward the end of this letter, Galatians chapter 5, and we read these words that have been read now a couple of times for us, and, and they're, they're coming as an exhortation. In your conflict, in the midst of your disagreement, when you find yourself at odds with someone else in the body of Christ, the conflict needs to look different. The fruit of the Spirit need to be present. So, so in the midst of disagreement or misunderstanding or, 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 or having difficulty collaborating together, where is the love? Uh, how much joy and peace can be present in the midst of a, con- a, a conversation of disagreement? Uh, you see, Jesus, the Lamb of God, has come and to take away the sin of the world, and now you, he's grafted you into the vine, you are in Christ, and there's a fruitfulness that needs to flow through you. There's a kingdom fruitfulness, but there's a character fruitfulness that needs to show up there, and surely in the midst of disagreement, this is where it, it is most, most needed. It's where it's going to be tested. It's where we're, we're going to need to see it. When the fruit of the Spirit is, is evident... Our conflicts look very different. Our disagreements look very different. It's not that we don't have them. They're present, but we're going to handle them much differently. And it won't be lost on any of us that we're in a season when, oh my goodness, there are are all kinds of subjects out there that we can be in disagreement about. I mean, just there can be... There can be uh, Governmental conflict, right? Policy regulation. I mean, just this past week, um, firearms regulations were announced. Uh, oh my goodness! You know, if you're on social media, you know that there are some very strong opinions for, against. How do Christians engage in this conversation, even while having strong opinions? How do we engage in this conversation in a way that reflects the life that comes from being in Christ? Can we voice strong opinions? Can we hold strong opinions and manifest the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Paul would say absolutely. Jesus would say absolutely. Boy, these were guys who did not mince words. And yet, they would invite this evidence of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, humbleness, self-control. There's the longer list than just Galatians 5. And this Galatians 5 list comes in the midst of conflict. Social conflict. There's governmental conflict. There's social conflict, right? To wear a mask or not to wear a mask. 
Uh, how exactly to practice social distancing? What is acceptable? What is not? Uh, how, do we, how do we manage this where there's a degree of subjectivity and interpretation? What, what authorities will we listen to? Uh, what, what voices will we be heard? And then how will the fruit of the Spirit be evident as I live with my own set of convictions in the midst of a world where others may have very different sets of convictions? Strong opinions are fine, but when they lead us to issuing judgment against one another, they have become a very serious problem, and, and, and especially so in the church of Jesus, in life in the vine. When you slander someone's character, or when you assign motive against someone, you have entered into judging them, and, and Jesus has warned us against such a posture. So let me just unpack those a little bit for you. Slandering character. It looks like this. Um, they believe X, therefore they are Y. You follow me? They believe X, and that's not okay, therefore they are sinful, um, irresponsible, uh, arrogant, because uh, nobody who, who follows Jesus can believe X. That's not okay. Right? That, it's a slander of character. It's a judgment that's been issued against that person. Um, assigning, assigning motive. Um, you said X, or you did X, because... And, and then we fill in the blank. We fill in the blank with motive. You, you did X, you said X because... And, and, and we know why. Like, I, we, we didn't hear you say it. Uh, we've not had a conversation to know what the motivation behind that action or that word was. But we know why. We know why, and we assume motive. We assign motive. And, and it's another form of issuing judgment against someone. And Jesus would warn us. Uh, James would warn us. Uh, we are being warned to, to this. In fact, just a few verses before, Galatians 5.22, Paul writes uh, about uh, the works of the flesh, uh, the desires of the sinful nature. Uh, and right in the middle of that list, he gives us this. Galatians 5, verse 20. Here's the, here's the works of the flesh, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. Works of the flesh, outworkings of sinful nature, the world. Fruit of the Spirit, outworkings of being in Christ, seeing uh, godly character, uh, character fruit, fruitful character res resulting. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And, and Paul says, a church that is characterized in this way is unstoppable. Let me say that we, we are in extraordinary times. Um, if you find that in the midst of the pressure of this season, something is emerging that, that you know is just not okay, reach out for help. Call us, talk to any one of us as pastors. We'd be delighted to have at least be that first sort of voice to help you. Uh, we have Christian counselors uh, that we can refer you to, uh, to to do a little bit of deeper work. Sometimes there's, there are root issues that, 
result in a fruit that's not okay. Jeremiah chapter 16, read that one. Jeremiah 17. Get the help that you need. Uh, if, if it's nutritional, if it's medication, make sure that you've got the right people helping you endure the incredible pressure and stress uh, that our society is under. Um, and let's look to Jesus in order that he would, he would grow his life through us. The fruit of the Spirit would be evident. You see, God's objective for your life, uh, for our life collectively as the church, God's objective is fruitfulness, kingdom fruit, character fruit. Uh, we've discussed what the fruit is and how it grows and, and what it does. And, and let me add this. We spent time earlier in the service, before the message, in confession and repentance, and you've heard the, the words, you are forgiven, spoken. So we come to this conversation not to experience not receiving condemnation. We're forgiven. We come to this conversation to hear words that, that will instruct us, words that may need to correct us, words that prune us. The words of Jesus are designed to prune us. What we will be may not yet be evident, but there is promise of good things to come. There are signs of life. And we submit even in this conversation to the pruning of the word of God in order that we would be more fruitful. Isn't that fantastic? And we get to come to the table this morning. Isn't that fantastic? We get to come to the table this morning and to observe the bread that was given for us representing Jesus' body and his blood poured out, represented in the fruit of the vine, <laughs> not just a coincidence, in order that we would be reminded of where this great work that God is doing in us would come from. It came from Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done for us and our invitation to step into life in Christ. Christ.